In brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's might. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 267. We are talking about Green Lanterns, number 10 and number 11. This would be the November books, right? Yes. Yeah, November books. So, uh, Mark said you wanted to take number 10, and I guess I'll take number 11, so let's just get right into it. So these, these issues will technically be Phantom Lantern, the... F- Parts one and two, since the last episode, the last episode and the last issue was the prologue with the sudden appearance of of uh, Emperor Volthum. Uh, all right, so we kind of pick up where we left off in Dearborn, Michigan, with uh, Frank showing up. I, I like his suit. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like almost like uh, I was gonna say Joker-esque, but it almost reminds me more of uh, Two Face, kind of little something about yeah. the, the color scheme. So he's showing up and he's he's ringing ringing the doorbell of this woman who has no idea who he is and he goes, it's like, hey, would you mind if I borrow your house? It's like I, it's like I, I there's some there's someone I need to distract. Well, that's going on. Uh, there's an interesting splash page of Simon pretty much trying on the phantom ring and having one after the other in succession, having basically being taken over by different parts of the emotional spectrum, which I kind of find which is kind of interesting. And I like I like how Raimi is kind of he's he's so emotionally unbalanced. It's kind of funny, cause especially coming from a guardian. It's like, which I guess is understandable if you were since guardians in a way were so emotionally uh, suppressed that if you had someone who but whose emotions were kind of like out, he kind of developed his emotions in a vacuum, like Raimi did, not interacting with anybody. That he just seems to be all over the map. Sometimes he's funny and cheerful, and sometimes he's like, no. So this is one of those no kind of moments as he yells at Simon. It's like, never wear the phantom ring again. And uh, I, I like when Simon's talking to Jessica using the uh, the indigo talk. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Jessica. And this is when, again, uh, we we have a, we have Ra- Raimi over there talking, trying to make it clear that, you know, this you know, the dangers, playing up the dangers of his ring. Uh, of this ring, like since it doesn't evaluate the bearer, and pretty much uh, it doesn't care if you're worthy or not. There's no safety feature; anyone can use it. Which again comes back to the question of why he ever thought creating this ring was a good idea to begin with, if unless he, unless we find out, you know, he didn't know this was going to be the byproduct. Uh, Jessica and Simon is still kind of like they're trying to figure, you know, what's going on here. Not just because Raimi's kind of unbalanced, but what to do with the ring. I like the fact that it's like a they're still trying to get contact Hal, and you know nothing, nothing's going. Hal is not responding, which of course we kind of have a good idea why Hal's not responding based on what's 
going on in the Korra book. Uh, Jessica and Simon kind of have a moment alone in the kitchen, and Simon kind of points out the fact that, you know, despite kind of how Raimi's acting, he is kind of, he got, he has a good point considering, you know, considering the Phantom Ring, considering the, kind of like the, how dangerous it really is, and, so they're, they're, you know, they kind of figure out like where the where's, where's the best place to, you know, kind of like take this ring and and everything else, and who they should turn it over to in the meantime, since they can't find Hal. You know, they mention they kind of mention the Justice League. Uh, Nazir comes in, and Simon and kind of is talking with Nazir about it. And as as he's, they're talking with Jessica in the kitchen, they notice that across the street there, there's a fire. So Simon and Jessica kind of like leap into action to try to find out what's what's going on about the fire. We we find out that it's the you know it's the woman who from the beginning of the issue who Frank had gone to visit and she's you know she tries to talk about you know oh, oh that man said he was trying to and of course Simon has to cut her off and everything and that's when you know the woman you know, makes it clear that her daughter is still in the house. Simon and Jessica actually work fairly well together as a team here with Jessica you know, telling Simon, you know, stop the fire from spreading and I'll go find the kid. Jessica kind of uses her, in a way, her, her own paranoia and her own social anxiety issues to be able to figure out where the little girl probably would be hiding, which is kind of a cool moment. Uh, she does a good job of consoling Jessica to get Jessica to trust her so that, so, so they can rescue her and, and get her, get them out of the house. And they succeed in rescuing the kid. At this moment, um, even though this is a Nazir doesn't really look like Nazir in this panel. It's kind of weird. When I went back and reread it, it throws me off. Uh, that while Nazir is talking to Raimi about, you know, saying that, you know, we should just, we shouldn't be in the open like this, talk because they're talking outside the house. Frank takes the opportunity to sneak into the house and he finds the case with the Phantom Ring. You know, he's looking at it and he's and he picks it up and he's about to about to put it on his finger when, of course, Raimi comes back and he goes, uh, you know, you. Now you shouldn't do this, you know, it, it ruined my life, I'm not going to let it destroy yours, yada, 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 and, and, and Frank, of course, doesn't care, he's like, I want a power ring, I want it very much, and then Raimi kind of, he tries to threaten him, he's like, yeah, I'll blast you through this wall if you do that, and Frank's like, I don't think you will. At that moment, uh, <laughs> Emperor Val Valthum over here kind of like almost acts like the vision and kind of phases through. Raimi temporarily, and he, and he and he captures him, and and it's like I, I was once an ally to the Guardians before you all betrayed me, you know. It's like a and I like this part. Like now I'm a shadow forced to scavenge emotional energy to survive to get my revenge. Uh, very, being very Palpatine-esque, he tells Frank, you know, you know, Frank, you know, the Guardian can't stop you. Take the take the ring now. Say the words I taught you. Frank puts puts on the puts on the ring, and then he kind of has that that. It's almost like translucent blue parallax-like armor, a, par a look to him, which we kind of saw in the previews for one of the up, I think for issue 12, the title. And then we get, hey, the, not only do we have the Phantom Ring, we have we have the there's an oath for the Phantom Ring. In desperate day, in hopeless night, the Phantom Ring is our last light. We yearn for power, strength, and might. I seize the ring. That is my right. I like the I like the oath. I don't necessarily like the Phantom Lantern font. <laughs> uh, almost immediately after after saying the oath, uh, his uniform transforms into basically a Green Lantern uniform because, as we know, Frank has kind of been obsessed with being a Green Lantern for most for most of the last few years. So 
that so the so the, basically the phantom ring responds to his willpower and his desire for that. Uh, Nazir tries to tries to attack Frank when he realizes what's going on. At the moment, the you know <laughs> nice of Nazir to try to hit him with an axe, but as soon as the axe hits Frank, it kind of shatters and, and Frank instantaneously turns into a, a Sinestro Corps uniform. Uh, wearing it, you know, his Phantom Lantern uniform transforms to yellow, and this is when he first gets his first taste that there are other rings, you know, the fear. Nazir cries out for help. Fulthum tells Frank, it's time to leave. They kind of cut out of there. Fulthum uh, kind of points out that, you know, th- this was the pact that we made, you know, and I-, I let you get a power ring, but, you know, we have to get the Guardian out of there first, because, f- obviously, Fulthum uh, has plans with, with Raimi, Temporarily, momentarily, Frank tries to butt heads with Volthum, who just, I like this, just kind of like stares right at him, and Frank backs down and goes, yeah, you know, you're right, we did, you, we made a deal, you know, first we gotta take care of this guy, and, uh, I like, I like the way Frank uses the yellow ring to kind of show Nazir his worst fear, you know, with, you know, with his son, with Fareed being hurt, and then of course turning into this, uh, really freaky looking monster, like almost like a Starro kind of monster in a, that uh, so Nazir is kind of like he's like overcome with fear. We cut back to the scene of the fire when Jessica's still comforting uh, Lauren, the daughter, and then at this point, while well, Jessica's real happy, kind of <laughs> Simon looks in the sky and he sees this green trail flying off into space. It's like if I'm here and you're here, then who the hell is that? And then basically we find out that, it, of course, on the final page we see that it's Frank, you know, dra- dragging uh. Raimi with him, saying, you know, uh, you know, I believed it before, but but I know it for real now. There's nothing I can't, ag- can't achieve. Thus ends the Phantom Lantern Part 1. Uh, the art's pretty consistent throughout. I don't have any particular uh, qualms with it, although I do think when you get close-ups of Frank's face in certain panels, it looks weird. Um, but, you know, maybe that's just Frank's face. Um, one of the first questions I jotted down when I was doing some... Uh, you know, just doing some prep, was I wonder why, you know, Simon goes through all the emotions uh, when he first puts on the ring, but then after he's over it, he's still talking in the uh, indigo language, and I was wondering why. And then I kind of got to thinking, I wonder if the Phantom Ring not only reacts to you know, what you're feeling at that moment and then switches over as we see in this issue and then the next issue, but also the emotions of those around you. Because the only thing I can think of is Jessica's Jessica. Yeah. Jessica is feeling compassion because she's concerned for Simon's safety right there. I think that's probably true. And and before we wrap up with this issue, I want to talk about the cover too, because I think that kind of relates to that too. Uh, but okay. yeah, I think, I think it probably is, cause, well, also, technically, you know what, it could be technically too, kind of going off exactly on the tangent, or not the tangent, the, the point you're trying to make, that Simon's still holding the Phantom Ring, and Jessica's still touching Simon. Yeah. Yeah, so it could, it could be like, a, almost like a conduit there, that Simon, that, and, that it's all like one big, one big connection there, because she's touching him, who's still touching the ring. Um, another thing, emotional spectrum-wise, uh, that I noticed is the colors that come out of Raimi when uh, when uh, Volthum reaches through him. Uh, you've got pretty much the entire emotional spectrum there. 
which is not that big of a deal because it looks cool. But also then you have to realize Raimi must then feel all of that too, which is unique for a guardian, which I mean, not that we didn't know that Raimi is different from the other guardians or just based on his speech patterns alone, but uh, yeah, just something of note there. And, pro- and possibly yet another reason why Volthoom wants him so bad. Yeah. Since he obviously, uh, since they make a clear point in this issue that basically, that at this point, because of what happened to him, even though we still need a full explanation for why he's not dead, the idea that he's pretty much living off the emotional scraps he can find. So if you can have a being, a being as powerful as a guardian of the universe that is, can, that feels the entire emotional spectrum, that, that probably is a good way to get a charge. Um, another thing I wanted to, uh, bring up was the moment when, uh, Simon is saving Jessica and, uh, the little girl while, I mean, Jessica's saving her because they're all in a bubble, but he's grabbing the bubble. He says, the phantom ring, I can still feel it rattling my bones. The green ring is powerful, but what if it's not powerful enough? Seven rings is better. I wonder what they can all do. Maybe the phantom ring is for me. Um... We all know that anytime you put on a specific ring, there are effects. Uh, you know, you put on the orange ring, uh, hint, hint, to, <laughs> to the next issue, you feel, you know, intense greed. Um, you put on uh, a yellow ring, you feel fear, and maybe fear also leads to paranoia. One of those uh, narrative boxes is paranoia. One of those narrative, two of no, those narr- narrative boxes are kind of avarice. So... I wonder if you have the same effect when you wear the Phantom Lantern ring and then take it off, but just all the emotions. It could, yeah, I think it could be again because you you have such a sudden, ru- and obviously we still kind of need an explanation for how this ring differs from a White Lantern ring in a way. I, I don't think they can all combine. That's what I think. That's one of the problems. Because notice each time something happens, it switches. Right. It doesn't combine. That. It's, it seems that, may, again, maybe it's that intense uh, relationship, if you will, that intense contact with the core, the emotional spectrum, that maybe that just, you know, it just makes you want that. Or, or once you've had that, you know, it's that once you get that little taste, it's kind of hard to walk away from it. Maybe it's just highly addictive across the board, um, hmm. at least psychologically. Maybe it's not a physical kind of addiction. Maybe it's psychological. And plus, again, you look at Simon and Jessica to a certain extent, too. It's like they don't have a whole lot of experience, and they certainly don't have a lot of experience with the emotional spectrum up to, up, up to this point. So they could be more susceptible to temptation like that. Yeah. The Simon-Jessica stuff, while interesting and cool, is not really necessary. I think it's there not only to space out the issue, but just kind of give a... And it's not like I don't like it, and I don't see the point of it, because I do... This is like if we were seeing a regular Green Lantern story like in space and they just so happen to go off and do a mission on a nearby planet that's calling for aid. Kind of a one and done type of situation. Uh, This is obviously a distraction caused by Frank, but still it's quick, you know, a quick resolution type of thing. You see Green Lanterns in action doing what Green Lanterns are supposed to do. So uh, while it really doesn't do anything for us in terms of, you know, advancing the plot of uh jessica and simon whatever it may be you do see them in action and working together so that's kind of cool yes and one final thing i wanted to mention about this i don't necessarily want to go into it right now because we'll have more to go into it with regards to it after after we recap the next issue 
But I just wanted to introduce the idea now so that people are thinking about it as we recap the next issue. You know who Frank reminds me of now that he's got powers? Who? He reminds me of Superboy Prime. Yeah, I, I can see that, yes. The way, yeah. the, kind of like the, the immaturity and the unstable nature of, of all that power in, in this individual. <laughs> and look at his costume. Yeah, there's a certain resemblance. Yes, there's a certain resemblance to it. Uh, yeah. It's still weird to me that he looks that he looks so much like Parallax armor-wise. Yeah. To start with, that is still weird. I mean, that's uh, that's kind of a unless we get an explanation for that. That's kind of like a that's kind of like a, almost like a, a not a particularly very original design, other than having him be like a, almost like a translucent blue. It pretty much is. Oh, it's, it's not exactly a replica, but it's damn close, other than the fact that you got a the Phantom Lantern symbol on his chest. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of um, Starman. Uh, not Starman like uh, James Robinson Starman, but Starman like from the Legion of Superheroes, the one whose mind went all crazy and mixed. Uh, Donna Troy. You know, when yeah, they had those yeah. outfits that were basically the universe <laughs> uh, just kind of just stars <laughs> in, in the blackness. Kind That's like, what it reminds me of like a modern version of that. Since now we have digital coloring and kind of like the Kyle ion mask for them. Like, yes. Minis, yes. The second, the second. Yeah. Yeah. Ion. Yeah. The, the, that 12 issue series, the black part of his costume was like stars. Type. Yeah. I remember that. Um, but otherwise, I don't have anything else to say about this particular issue. What about you? Uh, let's deal, let's look at the cover because it kind of relates to partially, partially relates to what you talked about with Jessica. That uh, now, which cover are we talking about? The one with Jessica and Simon, or the yes. one with just Simon? Jessica and Simon. Okay. When they're all, when they're both reaching for the Phantom Ring, and they basically have the emotional spec, all the colors of the emotional spectrum on the cover. That okay. I kind of think it's, I kind of think it's interesting, and maybe I kind of think, you know. I'm, I kind of think it's not just random the way that first of all they had they have the green in the middle of course which makes sense based on the way the spectrum is but Simon's got a little more a little more green on him than than Jessica which kind of would make sense because he does have more willpower at this point and he's more comfortable using willpower so that would kind of make sense I think if you looked at for each of them they have one of the one of the symbols of the emotional spectrum almost per, almost perfectly coming off of their white badge on their chest mm-hmm. and simon's is yellow for fear and which kind of would make sense too because of course the only reason he got his ring was because he he was the ring was kind of dual pro, dually programmed by hal and sinestro to basically try to find a replacement that each one would be happy with and it's kind of simon has qualities of both so i think that's probably not a coincidence that there is a certain element or relationship with fear that we can that simon's can have, even though we haven't seen it play out in stories yet, I think we might. And and going back to what we just saw, maybe, again, is a partial explanation for why if the ring is picking up on compassion from Jessica, when you look at the cover for Jessica, it is the compassion symbol that is closest over her chest, almost a per- perfectly aligned with her badge. So maybe, based on her nature, that Jessica is prone to compassion and ha- and and Simon is prone to fear, besides their you know, being Green Lantern. So I think that's something that be interesting to see if that plays out, not necessarily in this, in this arc exclusively, but going forward. But I think that was, some, that was something that caught my eye because of the 
just a different shading and just the fact, again, that Simon's got more green than Jessica and Simon's got fear close to him and she's got compassion. So I think that's kind of, I think that's interesting. Could be. Yeah, it could we'll be. See. It could be, could be Jack. It could be nothing, but I just, but I, but it's certainly, there had to be a stylistic choice for this. So that's why it makes me think that it wasn't that, uh, unless they just didn't care. They just, oh, we're just going to throw one part of the spectrum on the other, on each side. And it's just the luck of the draw. Who's on, who's on each. Uh, I don't remember, and listeners, this is where we're going to rely on you, because unless unless you you remember, Mark, I really don't feel like researching it right now, <laughs> but uh, does Simon still have the ring that combined from Simon or from Sinestro, and uh, how, or after they came back, did he get a different ring? Do you remember? Oh, I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to think. If you don't remember, that's fine. I'm sure one of the listeners out there remembers. Because I'm trying to remember, because we know what had to do with Simon like going into what the the with the Phantom Zone there, or the or the dead going into where the guard the Templar Guardians kind of were, because he was the whole point was to get to the dead zone to get Hal back. But I think, but Sinestro, no, Sinestro trick Sinestro tricked him to get at, to get out. But I'm trying to remember if Simon. Yeah, I don't entirely remember. I don't entirely remember, but I should remember that. But it, it has been several, a couple of years. But I don't entirely remember if Simon still had a ring or whether, because Simon obviously had to get out of the had to get out of the dead zone thing and everything himself. Um, and we know Hal couldn't get out anymore because the, the only that's the reason why Hal chose to basically die and, and get the black take uh, Black Hand's ring because he couldn't get out any other way at that point. So I don't I don't quite I don't quite remember. But it's still, well, but it, but even but for the sake of argument, even if it wasn't exactly the same ring, he would still have the same qualities that the ring, that 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 ring in particular chose. Why the ring chose him is because he would have those qualities in him. Well, if anybody remembers, call seven zero eight Lantern or leave us an email at lanterncast@gmail.com, and give us a source too, so we know where to find what you're talking about, uh, so I can look it up and see. Um, uh, over on anything else about this issue? No, I think we're good. All right. Uh, so on to issue number eleven. We open up with Frank floating in space. He reveals that his parents were astronomers, just so we know a little bit more about him. The great uh, page too. The, yeah, not too bad. Uh, he's flying around the world in the ocean, through the trees, uh, over the plains, uh, pissing in the snow. <laughs> yeah, is he really uh, pissing in the snow? I don't know. I, I don't think, think he drawn. is. I think he's using I, I think his it's, ring. I, I, he's probably is, but I think it's drawn purposely yeah, absolutely. just to give you just yes. a little bit of a giggle. Yeah, it can be um, interpreted that way. Then down in Coast City in an apartment, we see uh, Raimi uh, tied to a radiator. Um, uh, he is uh, uh, in, I'm, I'm assuming, uh, uh, Frank. Frank's apartment. Um Basically, uh, Volthoom is telling, uh, Frank to just kind of go have fun, go be a Green Lantern. I'm gonna, I need to talk to this Guardian. We have stuff to talk about, which we don't see for the rest of this issue, which kind of pissed me off because I wanted to see that <laughs> conversation. But whatever. Meanwhile, over in Kansas, which by the way is in Tornado, Tornado Alley, didn't you know? Um, a little boy is chasing his dog as a tornado is bearing down on them. The dog gets sucked up and so does the boy. Frank shows up, saves the boy. The boy asks him to save his dog, and he does so while he's still holding the boy in his baseball glove construct. Meanwhile, over in Dearborn, Michigan, 
we see um, we see Simon and Jessica talking to Simon's brother about what happened in the house. Uh, he basically says what anybody unfamiliar with the Green Lantern universe uh, would. It's some weird blonde guy called Frank with an old, I don't know, wizard. <laughs> I don't know who these people are. Um, Simon's frustrated by the whole thing. Jessica says, uh, starts talking to her ring. She says, I need a hand, buddy. <laughs> and this is interesting. Uh, the ring says, what can I do to help? She says, can you check for any significant aberrations in the emotional spectrum? Hang on. I'll scan for you now, buddy. Simon says, Jessica, how does your ring sound so human? She says, the more I talk with it, the better it sounds. I think it's learning. What? Don't you talk to your ring? The ring chimes in, says, Jessica, I found what you're looking for. There's undefined emotional spectrum energy. And she says, bingo. And the ring says, bingo. Location? Uh, Olaf, Olafe, Kansas. Uh, Frank is being interviewed by the local news uh, team and what looks like a ripoff of April O'Neil. Um, I just noticed that. It's a redhead reporter for Channel 7 wearing a yellow, jumps, uh, a yellow jacket. It kind of has to be a... Reference to April O'Neil, doesn't it? Uh, and then uh, as he's being interviewed, uh, bragging basically about being a Green Lantern, Jessica and Simon show up and can try and confront him, saying he's a fraud, so on and so forth. But the dog and the boy leap to uh, Frank's defense. Um, the news media lady tries to talk down to them, saying, well, I can't. Why can't he be Green Lantern? He, he saved, he basically, basically she's saying he did what Green Lanterns do. They save people and blah, blah, blah. Uh, and, uh, he starts, Frank starts casting aspersions on both Simon and Jessica. Hey, didn't you spend some time in jail? And haven't I seen you? you you've never made a construct, blend, so on and so forth. Um, this news media coverage is being broadcast. Batman sees it, says Baz. Never argue with a fool. Onlookers may not be able to tell the difference, especially on television. And then Carol Ferris, also watching the news, says, how much can they tarnish the Green Lantern's name in two minutes? I don't care if Hal left him in charge. Um, then that's when uh, Jessica says, "The uh, all I know is the greatest man to ever wear a Green Lantern ring, he says we deserve it. And if he was here right now, he'd punch you so hard. And he, Frank says, what is that? And then thinks and remembers how. And says, how dare you say that to me? What gives you? And then that's when he goes all spacey crazy, like we were talking about before. And they notice the, co- the media notices his costume changed, says maybe he isn't a real Green Lantern. He goes kind of red. He's still wearing his green costume, but he's his, uh, he starts lighting up red. Um, he says, I, I am a real Green Lantern. I'm more real than either of these two idiots. They're ready to start fighting him, and all of a sudden he goes crazy, uh, starts glowing, uh, basically lighting on fire. Um, everybody starts getting back, and then uh, Jessica says, the Phantom Ring, it's killing him, and Simon says, no, it isn't. It's transforming him, and I don't think it's going to be pretty. And from the smoke, we see uh, Frank shout the words, mine, and... The ring pings avarice, and you see mine, mine, mine. The phantom ring is changing him into an orange lantern. Next, a battle of will. It has to be April O'Neil, right? I mean, a redhead with yellow and Channel 7. All right. Just saying. 
Let's see. The art was really good in this issue. Yeah, it was. Frank again, a couple things issue I have take issue with Frank's face. Like and not just not just like the way the panel looks, but like look at his face when he says uh FFT or whatever. And then when he starts laughing, ah ha ha, you two. Like look at just the sheer difference of his face. But I think that's I think that's oh, that exaggeration is supposed to be there just to show how unbalanced he is. I think that's I, pro- I, I, I get. I, I would I would I would tend to agree with you, but just it just looks weird. <clears throat> and not everybody reading comics is really going to pick up on that. Which isn't to say that you know artists shouldn't put things in there that not everybody's going to get. But I just thought I'd bring it up. No, that's a good point. What'd you think? I liked, I did like this issue. I, I liked the fact that you had that momentary jump, that reach, that, that immediate jump to conclusion that, oh yeah, he's a hero because he did something heroic. And then you kind of realize that he didn't, his rationale behind what he did kind of like negates that pretty much. <laughs> Is that, uh, <laughs> that, uh, he may have done the right thing, but it was for, not for altruistic reasons. That's for, that's for sure. I find it interesting about you know when exactly you. I I want to. Um, who knows? We don't necessarily have to have it spelled out for us, but I want more examples of what of what happens to Frank that when he becomes the actual Phantom Lantern, when he's this you know when he's got the translucent you know, that star Starman translucent look to about to him. Kind of like what exactly causes that, you know? I think so. It, so, so what you're saying, but we know basically how it works when it, with the other colors. But when he goes all crazy supernova, the you know with the the stars, that's clearly something else. So what triggers that? We know what triggers fear, rage, blah blah blah. Yeah, I but think, what what triggers this? I think it's pretty clear that whenever he feel whenever he feels one emotion overwhelmingly, that's what he becomes. That's what he yeah. changes into. And in the beginning, when he first put the ring on, yeah, it makes perfect sense since it's basically almost like uh, it's like something booting up for the first time. It's like it's sensing all the different emotions at the at one time, and then you become you become the Phantom Lantern. Now, at this moment in this book, the only thing I could think of is because at that one moment in time, he, you know, he he kind of had all the entire emotional spectrum again. Maybe he, he tapped into little, little pieces of of everything all at once. And maybe that's and maybe that's what makes you become, you know, the the quote unquote true Phantom Lantern is when you have like a little like a like you have a little toe like in every single area of the emotional spectrum, even if it's only for a second or two before you basically one emotion or the other takes takes control. Or so So I, I it's just I'm that's the only you know explanation short term I could think of, but of course I didn't pick up today's issue yet. Or yesterday's issue to see uh to see if we get more of a clue or insight into that. I ha I have it, but I haven't read it. Um, I like the cover. I honestly don't. Yeah, I do like the cover. I honestly don't have much else to say about it because this whole issue is essentially this conversation between Jessica and Simon. Yeah, he goes and saves the little boy, but again, that's just kind of pointing towards him wanting it, it's just it's just it's highlighting his mental state and how wrong he is and what he wants like yeah he's wanted to be a green lantern but 
it's really just highlighting him doing what he's always wanted to do, but it's really highlighting how he's not suited for it. Not necessarily because he can't save people, but and and not not honestly not just because of his reasoning for doing it. It's just like notice how he saves the boy and then seems sort of confused when the boy asks to save his dog. And not just Whereas, and not just confused, he's kinda like seems bothered by it. He kinda seems yeah, pissed, pissed off by it. It's like, geez, I just saved you, that's not enough. It's like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. Uh and the stuff with uh with uh the with uh Fulfum and the Guardian that gives a zero payoff. I'm assuming it will next issue. Um but uh I was expecting for at least like the beginning of some sort of a conversation, like at the end of the issue we get the beginning of this conversation, and then either Volthoom or the Guardian would say something, and we'd go, wait, what? And then, you know, cut, fade to black, and we're waiting for next issue. But there was, like, zero payoff there. And not not for nothing, but... And I, I honestly don't think this is the case, but there's something in the back of my mind wondering if maybe Volthoom is a figment of his imagination. Now, I, I, there's there's evidence fighting against that, obviously, since Volthoom took on Raimi. Maybe Volthoom really is there, and I'm pretty sure he actually is, but there's, there's something in the way Volthoom talks to Frank, or I don't, I don't know what it is. There's something, the, the way Volthoom just kind of dissipates into a cloud of smoke, you know, stuff like that, that just makes me think that maybe... Volthoom is a figment of Frank's imagination, and if not entirely a figment of Frank's imagination, maybe not actually there. Talking to Frank, influencing Frank, helping Frank, but not physically there. Hmm. I tend to to think he is more than he's not. I think he's just doing the Palpatine puppet master thing, playing head games with Frank and and pushing his buttons along the edge. Because you know that he's he's the he's the puppet if if for no other reason as a distraction he probably knows ultimately Frank is gonna get his ass kicked and lose the ring but but he's but at the end of the day Volthoom's real plan has probably has little to do with Frank and has more to do with the guard with with the guardian and maybe the Phantom Ring himself but more but short term to do with the guardian. And again, I I tend to agree with you, but there's something in the back of my mind that wants to just. I think it's a slim possibility, and I thought I wanted to bring it up. No, that makes sense. I mean, this cover—the first thing when I saw, you know, the Frank holding the, you know, the American flag cover. You know what it kind of reminded me of? It kind of reminded me of the Cyborg Superman cover during the Reign of the Superman. I think it was either like it might have been, if it wasn't the first issue after when the Reign of the Superman started, it was like the second issue that had Hank Henshaw has. Before we knew it, he was Hank Henshaw holding the American flag, kind of like in a. I think it was more. It might have been more of a straight-on pose than a sideway pose, but it was. It was some. But that's what this reminded me of the idea uh, of your all kind of like your all-American villain, if you will, <laughs> holding the American flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, other than that, like I said, it, it's it's a fairly straightforward thing. The most mostly this issue is just this this public confrontation between Simon, Jessica, and Frank. And quite honestly, there's honestly not a lot here. So I don't have much else to say about it. And let's be honest, we've gotten a whole lot of 
of issues with lots of conversation, especially between Simon and Jessica. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to get used to it, but it's still kind of bothering me in the back of my mind that they're not taking advantage of uh, the biweekly format by uh, kind of giving us a little more action each issue. I mean, uh, it, it sounds contradictory to what I've been saying about giving us character arcs and stuff like that, and we are learning a great deal about Frank, so... I'm not saying it's necessarily bad. It's just, I don't know. We're not moving forward quite as much as I had thought we would. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good way of, a pretty good way of looking at it. I'm not, as we're getting close to a year's worth of issues, well, a year's, a year's worth of issues, but not, but like in six months. I can't say I'm I'm that disappointed in this book at this point. I it's kind of what I expected it to be, and maybe slightly better just because of the things that we've been dealing with. The idea of I kind of like this whole Phantom Lantern thing, the concept of it. I kind of like the I like Volthoom coming back. Uh, it would be nice if we get an explanation for while Volthoom is back, because that's starting to become a real problem with with both books in a way of bringing these bringing these characters back without even giving you the even a cursory explanation which is kind of like standard comics 101 which is you got to give at least some kind of pseudo explanation for why this villain that was supposedly in in a state where they ain't coming back (laughs) come back uh so but overall i think it's it's i think it's the book so far is fairly enjoyable still I do think, like we've talked about, the pacing could be better. But, so, it's just kind of like a reflection at, at the moment on, on this book. It's, a, it's kind of a little too early to do that with Hal and the Core book, though we're kind of getting up there, getting close to 12 issues soon. But that, that was just something that just crossed my mind when it came to, to this book. It, it's certainly, it's, it's certainly not, and, and this is going to sound bad, and I, I don't mean it that way. It's certainly not nearly as bad as this book could have been. <laughs> True, uh, and it is somewhat interesting. And Jessica, Jessica remains to me anyway the cooler one of the two. And she's—I'm much more interested in learning about Jessica than I am about Simon, regardless of what other, but what, whatever, uh, uh, power, Emerald Sight, or whatever garbage else they want to give Simon to make him, make him on the surface cooler. I still think Jessica has more. It's just like her relationship with the ring that she's. Yeah. I think I th- I, th- I could stand to learn a little bit more about Simon outside of his family. Yes. I like yeah, I feel like they're making his family your touch point to his personality, but we're still not getting his personality. And the p- parts of his personality we are getting, we got earlier on where he was being a dick to Jessica. Yep. So they made him unlikable. So I think they need they have some work to do in making me care about Simon as much as I care about Jessica. Um to, to, to be fair, I didn't really read much of Jessica when she was in the Justice League titles. I also didn't read much of Simon when he was in the Justice League titles. At some point, I'm going to be reading all of that uh, just so I can catch up because clearly these two are here to stay for at least a little while and um, probably even longer. So I should probably get to know him a little more. Maybe we'll have a Jessica Cruz spotlight and a Simon Bass spotlight or combine the two. I have no idea, but... <clears throat> I just, I, if we're using this, this here, uh, this series here as a touch point to which, which Green Lantern we care about more, it's, it's Jessica. I'm sorry. 
And should it really be Jessica? I mean, shouldn't you care more about Simon, not just because of him being... I, I feel like he's been around longer, so you should care about him more. You sh- we should know enough about Simon by now to, by default, care about him more, shouldn't we? You would think that, but again, like we talked about, there's, their strategy all along clearly was to build Jessica up, but they figured... <laughs> they figured the good way to build Jessica, or the easiest maybe way to build Jessica up, was to kind of like tear Simon down in the process. So now they're kind of trying trying to repair the damage, and it yeah, on the surface it would have been real easy to talk to try to make us care more about Simon because Simon was kind of Simon, regardless of his origin and, and his first appearance and a lot of things people had issues with, no pun intended, when he first came on the scene. He was a likable guy, and Simon was a pretty likable character, and, and you and you saw. And you saw some potential there, and now they kind of like they backtracked in a way and kind of kind of made him douchey and and all I think to further the likability of Jessica. So they did succeed in making Jessica likable, but now they have to backtrack and try to build up Simon at the same time when they probably get. I, I I don't think I, I it's I don't think it's just that I think I wonder if they don't know they need to build build Simon back up because I feel like. Now that they've made Jessica likable and Simon just kind of now gets her, that they feel like that's enough. Like, no, you have done damage to the character of Simon Bass. We may not have cared about him as much as we care about Guy or John or Kyle or Hal, but <laughs> yeah, wh- whatever. Uh, Rotlop fan, but, <laughs> but, uh, Bist, bust, but, but, but we, but what we knew about Simon, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily that he was a douchebag. So you have done damage to what, whatever it is we quantified as the character of Simon Baz in a positive light, you have done damage to. You do need to fix it. It's not enough that we know that you're using him to make Jessica more likable, and now that Jessica's more likable, oh man, man, he magically gets along with her. No, that's not enough. That's not enough to explain why he was a dick. You need to fix Simon. Give us a in-story reason for him being a douchebag. Because what we knew about him thus far didn't really point to that. So, And especially given his own history... Why would he treat somebody else like that? That's a good point. So, all right. Anything else to say about either of these issues? No, I think I think that was short and sweet, but I think it was relatively Conc- thorough, though. Still, <laughs> Con- concise. Concise. <laughs> all right. You want to tell people how they can reach us? The best way for them to reach us, lanterncast at gmail.com. Uh, our website, of course, lanterncast.com. Newest episodes, rings, encyclope- ring encyclopedia posts, dark story reviews, blogs, movie reviews, etc., etc. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and like us on Facebook. Use hashtag GLCast to locate us on any of those. iTunes and Stitcher, we are on both, so whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, 708-Lantern. 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. A uh, new feature on the website here pretty soon will be a list of all of the guest appearances both Mark or I or both of us 
have made on other podcasts out there. Um, we're probably not going to be sticking those episodes into our own feed because that makes no sense. Uh, you know, if, if somebody guest appeared on our podcast, uh, you know, part of the reason people do crossovers is just, just kind of give each other some, some showcase, you know, like uh, when a, when a, somebody guest appears, like for instance, when somebody has a bunch of different guests to host from various podcasts on their show, the listeners of those shows come and listen to that show. So it helps, you know, increase visibility and stuff like that. So we help each other out in that way. So sticking somebody else's content onto our feed would sort of negate that whole purpose. <laughs> but when you go to the website up at the top, you're going to see a couple of links. And one of those links is going to be a guest, a kind of a guest host link. Uh, and when you click on that, you'll see a list of all of the uh, guest appearances that we have made along with a link to where you can find said content uh, to, to download it, listen to it from their website. Um, I'm some of these shows I think are, if, if, if the content cannot be grabbed specifically from one specific spot or something, I'll download the episode and upload it to our server, but not stick it in our feed. There'll be like a download link where you can right click and get the audio. Uh, but I don't think we're, we're going to be sticking it in our iTunes feed. Plus it would make the whole thing confusing, <laughs> kind of messy to see another show just randomly pop up in your feed for the lantern test. Um, but you'll see a bunch of different links. Mark, uh, you appeared on, uh, like for instance, you appeared on Ryan Daly's Give Me Those Star Wars, right? Correct. Okay. And then I've appeared recently on, uh, the Shag Matthews, uh, um, the JLI Bwahaha podcast talking about JLI number nine. Um, so just in terms of our various guest appearances in, across the net, you know, Mark and I both appeared on the Secret Origins podcast with Ryan Daly. All those various podcasts you'll have links to over there. So if, Mark or I have mentioned in the past that we've guest appeared on another show. You'll be able to find those links there. And if we mention in the future that we have appeared on another show, you'll be able to go there and find that as well. And I'm going to try and organize it by date, which shouldn't be too hard. Uh, it's not like we have like a list of, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's not like we have a list of like 40 of them, but since Mark and I have taken over the show, our guest, like Lantern Cast guest host appearances, have gone up. So we figured there should be at least a spot where you can find at least where to get that content if you want to listen to it. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, we will talk to you next episode where we will be talking about Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps from the months of, well, from the month of November. Sounds like a plan. Talk to you later, guys. Good night, everybody. Good night.